Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 164, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview Kyle and Sarah and talk about reining in spending to focus on what matters most. I've since finding Bigger Pockets Money, we found them what, about three months ago? So, so we've probably been listening to the, the podcast for a little bit longer, but we really didn't start tracking anything right. until about three months ago. And then you guys covered uh, credit card hacking in one of the um, episodes. episodes. And I went from cash back to travel rewards after hearing about the, the lady that did the travel rewards for everything up until she got financially independent and then started using that for their travel. And I was like, that's where it's at for me. Because the cash back really doesn't matter to me. I don't I just use it just to pay off the credit card. <laughs> but the the travel rewards ended up turning into a better benefit for us the way that I pay the credit card. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my rugby aficionado co-host, Scott Trench. You know, that's a rucking awesome introduction, Mindy. Thank you. <laughs> Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, and show you that by following the proven steps, you can put yourself on the road to early financial freedom and get money out of the way so you can lead your best life. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big-time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or simply just accelerate your financial journey and doing more things right, we'll help you build a position capable of launching yourself towards those dreams. Mindy and I just had a tremendous amount of fun today because because Kyle and Sarah are a pretty successful couple. They're, they were making good income. They they had some assets, but they were spending a lot. They weren't tracking their spending. And so their money was leaking through their, their buckets like water. It was just flowing through their hands, right? Or through, their, through their accounts. And uh, six months ago, they discovered Phi and they're in the middle of this fire hose of information and in, in discovering how to write their financial situation. And it's just so fun to see them doing all the right things, them all coming together, their financial position improving, and then opening their eyes to all the additional possibilities they have to continue that progress. I think they'll literally go from accumulating one, two thousand a month to accumulating six, seven thousand dollars a month, dramatically changing their tax profile, how a tax advantage their situation is. And we didn't even get to the whole point, the whole the many ways for him to grow his business and begin investing while we talked about that. So very exciting, very fun episode and can't wait to introduce him. I could not agree more. And all the changes that they're going to make are going to become very effortless and unnoticeable. They're going to Stop. She mentioned going to CVS specifically. She's going to stop going to CVS so many times and not even notice. It's just going to be something that she just stops doing. Once you start tracking your spending and seeing how much you can cut without really feeling a pinch, then it becomes a game. Then it's, well, how much can I cut? I could stop going here. I could stop spending money on this. I can cut this out completely. Just like uh, Liz from Frugal Woods cut out absolutely everything when she first discovered financial independence. And then she said, you know what? I miss yoga. But how can I add yoga back in inexpensively? I miss bubble water. How can I add that in inexpensively? And she now has the life that she truly loves and doesn't miss all the things that she used to have. 
My attorney makes me say the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. And neither Scott nor I, nor Bigger Pockets, is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. That's right. This is just for fun and entertainment. And uh, we don't have, you know, none of the other thing we should say should be taken as advice. Now let's go tell Kyle and Sarah what to do with their money. How many? <laughs> yes. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kyle and Sarah, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you two today. This is going to be a lot of fun. We are so excited to be here. So a little bit of backstory. Kyle owns a an auto repair business. He and his fiance Sarah have an 18-month-old daughter, but they struggle with spending. And quote uh, from Kyle's application. He said, I didn't realize how much money we spend until I started tracking it. We averaged $10,000 a month in spending in July, August, and September of this year. And I'm going to say, you know what? You are not alone. If you don't track your spending, it's so easy to just, oh, it's only $5. It's only $10. Oh, let's go out to dinner. I don't feel like cooking. And then all of a sudden, every dollar that came in is out the window and it didn't have any place to go. So it's like water. It evaporates if you're not tracking it. (laughs) Yep. So let's look at your financial picture. What is your income? What are your monthly expenses? Where are you investing? Things like that. Let's start with your income. So I personally take a $2,000 a week draw from the business and then quarterly profit distributions. The quarterly profit distributions can be really anywhere. They've been $5,000, they've been $50,000. There's really no consistency in it where I've only really been doing uh, professional numbers in my business for about two years now. Um, Before then, it was kind of just a hobby that 
paid me enough to pay the take bills. some, yeah, pay the bills. Uh, that's really all it's been. So I only really have two years of really being consistent with the numbers to the point where I can now take a weekly draw and then do the profit distributions quarterly. Um, I get paid every two weeks. It's about twelve hundred every two weeks. So I'm making about twenty four hundred every two weeks. I did. I mean, we can get into this. I did just up my four hundred one k a little bit. And so that changed, but I think we're actually going to bring it back down. So on average, it's about 2,400 a month. Great. So if we, if we break this into, I have to, because you do, you, you do yours weekly and you, you do yours every other week in terms of yeah. how you think about spending. So that's going to be 104,000 in income from a steady basis and plus, plus bonuses and what you, what we will call bonuses for our purposes, distributions um, from your business here. And then you're bringing in about 1400. Is that as an after-tax amount or is that the pre-tax amount, Sarah? Okay. So 2,400 a month, 600 a week. And this is after taxes. Okay, okay great. So 2,400 a yeah. month is going to be about 30-ish a year or so. So you've got 130 in base income. And let's break it down to monthly, just because for our purposes, it helps us be consistent. If you're listening, you'll be consistent to kind of hear it on a monthly basis. So that, what's that? 130, that's, you're going to be about 12,000 12, a month. Uh, we'll call it, no, 11,000 11, a month. So I was at 11,900 last month. Um, so that that's a pretty good number to go on if we're just thinking vague. I mean, it will go, it'll fluctuate a little bit from there, but it was twelve nine last. I mean, eleven nine last month. Great. So we've got we've got a, let's call it between ten and twelve thousand a month in, in total income. You know, eleven nine. Yep. We've got we've got a ballpark picture of that yeah. some yes. of that's going into four hundred one ks. Is any of that go, is any of uh, your income, Kyle, going into a pre tax account like a self directed or a four hundred one k or anything like that? So last year I put the six thousand into a traditional IRA, but other than that, no. I do okay, have great. my Roth IRA from contributions before I hit the income cap. Uh, I have to transfer over to a traditional IRA. Great. Any any other sources of income like investments or anything like that? So I have my investments. Um, so income, no, but we do have money in the stock market. I have 126000 in with mutual my funds. in mutual funds, and then she has 20000 in her mutual funds. She has 30000 in her 401k, and I have between my both my IRAs about 23000 Awesome. So we got we got a number of assets here um, as well. What are your expenses? What you know on a monthly basis? Do you, do you have? You just started tracking your expenses recently. Do you have a ballpark of where that money's going? Yes. Yes. So I have it broken down into a crazy spreadsheet that would take us days to go over. On average, we spend about fifty five hundred on regular expenses that get paid every single month. And then after that, we spend about $1,000 on life insurance. And then on average, we spend about $2,000 on money spent on, you know, the takeout, personal care. CVS. Yeah. Household expenses. I do a lot of like, I just signed up to take my Boston or my Massachusetts real estate agent course. So I have that in there under continued education. So there's always stuff like that popping in there. I spend about $125 a month on my dog. 
stuff like that. So it ends up being about $2,000 a month spent on needless stuff, I guess. It's not needless stuff. It's mindless stuff. And that's not even the right way I want to say it. It's just, it, if you're not tracking where your money goes, it will go wherever it feels like yeah. going. So I love that you, when I asked you if you track your spending, you're like, uh. So that is my first piece of advice is start tracking your spending without guilt and without shame. Just start every time you spend a dime, write it down. On this day, I went to this store and I spent this much money. I bought this stuff. So it's easy to categorize. As you first start doing it, you're like, oh, it was groceries and makeup and hairspray and deodorant. And then you just start throwing everything under groceries or groceries and personal care. Yeah, we started started saving receipts and then we've started, you know, tallying things, entering them in the spreadsheet. We also, we we only use one credit card. Perfect. And so I I pull that out in a uh, Excel form and then I I break it up into our spreadsheet um, just so that it's easier to to move around. In COVID times, it can be a lot easier to just put everything on a credit card instead of trying to pay cash for things. I don't know if you try to pay cash for things. On the flip side of that, it's super easy to spend a whole lot of money when you're not, you're, oh, I'll just put it on the card. I don't have to worry about right. the cash. So I get why people aren't paying cash right now. Um, but keeping track of where it's going and seeing it, the way that my husband and I started off, we had a notebook, like a piece of paper on the countertop and we would come in the house and I would immediately write it down. And, you know, the first day of the month, you're like, oh, there's three transactions, whatever. And like the 15th day of the month, you're flipping the page. You're thinking, oh my goodness, where is all this money going? Why am I going to, I've said this so many times, but why do I go to the grocery store literally every day? I don't need to go. There's no reason to go to the grocery store every single day. Make a list, stick to it and don't, you know, don't go every day. It's just, it's right there on the way home. Yeah. It's yeah. so easy to stop. I, got, I have pretty good uh, credit card control. On average, I get about six to $7,000 in cash back on my credit cards each year. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Holy cow, that's awesome. And that's because of your business, right? That, that has yeah. to probably have a lot to do with your business. The business helps. Yeah, the yeah. business definitely helps. But I've since finding bigger pockets money. We found them, what, about three months ago? Um, no, I think beginning of the summer. So, so we've probably been listening to the, the podcast for a little bit longer, but we really didn't start tracking anything right. until about three months ago. And then you guys covered uh, credit card hacking in one of the um, episodes. episodes. And I went from cash back to travel rewards after hearing about the, the lady that did the travel rewards for everything up until she got financially independent and started using that for their travel. And I was like, that's where it's at for me. Because the cash back really doesn't matter to me. I don't. I just use it just to pay off the credit card. <laughs> but the the travel rewards ended up turning into a better benefit for us the way that I pay the credit card. Got it. Well, I love it. And it sounds like there's a lot of creativity. It sounds like you guys are motivated. You're willing to try the hacks here. You have a really good starting point with a, with a pretty solid high income here and opportunities to increase that. And what I'm looking at, what I'm hearing is I've got $8,500 in expenses that you just mapped out. $5,500 in fixed, what you call fixed expenses, which I want to dive into in a second. $1,000 on life insurance and $2,000 on that fun stuff. The personal stuff, the, the stuff that is non-recurring. Yeah. It sounds like what I think is going to happen is your, your tracking is going to, I think, immediately make a dent in that $2,000 a month spend. So I'll, I'll leave you guys to kind of to 
tackle that one because I'm sure that as you are intentional, you'll be like, do I really want to take out tonight or would I rather have the 35 bucks back? Yeah, that's been our last four weeks. That's been our last four weeks. We were spending a thousand dollars a month on takeout. Last month it was 350. This month it was 270. Yay! Love it. And, and there's no reason, there's no reason to get it to zero. Sometimes you like takeout, no. right? Yeah. But now but, it's like once, maybe twice a week, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge incremental thing. So those are the variable expenses, right? You know, we have right. fixed variable. I love that you're starting with that. And you're gonna make an immediate dent with that. But I want to dive into the fixed expenses because we're talking about the 80-20 rule with finance. That's your yeah. that's your 80%, or at least your 65 or 70% in your case. Hold um, on. So what's what's compiling? Oh, Before go ahead. Before we jump into those, uh, I want to know where what you did with the money that you saved on uh takeout. So you were spending a thousand dollars and then this month was only two seventy. What did you do with that money? I so, just keep it in my bank. Okay. Account. But I think that we had a lot like, so this month we had a lot of Christmas or gift expenses or we have a gift mm. category. So yeah. we had a lot of gift that went up this month. So it's Think that's well, starting to even out a little bit, but what else? But, but it's not like I, when we save extra money, it's not like I immediately move it to a different account. So I have an account with Capital One that gets a half a percent return. So that's kind of like a, a revolving amount when I don't need it in my checking account, it just goes directly there. I stopped contributing to any of the um, mutual funds when coronavirus happened. I kind of was like, all right, let me see where this is going to go. And I stopped contributing to that at all. Then I read the book, Simple Path to Wealth. So then I've been kind of, I, I do keep that money with a, an advisor and I've been thinking about moving that. I opened an account with Fidelity so that I had an HSA qualified health plan, but wasn't putting money into an HSA. So I now have an HSA through Fidelity that I'll fund. And we had separate health insurance, but as of the first of the year, we will be together. So then I can contribute to the HSA on her behalf as well. So we'll be able to max that out. I love everything I'm hearing. It sounds like it, you've got, you, you, you were doing just fine previous to this before before you you started doing we were this. Kind of doing nothing. it blindly. <laughs> yeah, you but you you were clearly like you were clearly been accumulating some assets. You're you're ahead of most people in, in terms of your money situation when you started this journey, probably it sounds like six months ago, uh seven months ago, maybe more in earnest. And now you're starting to figure it out and the pieces are starting to come together and you're you're making strides on the income front or I don't know the income front, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but you're making strides on the expense front, you're making strides in the allocation of of the capital that you're accumulating. I think it's great. This is this is really fun here. Let's get into the fixed expenses in life insurance. What is going on there? Uh, can you describe the what's the largest of your fixed expenses? Our the largest would probably be I think it goes mortgage and then it goes daycare. Okay, mortgage and then daycare. And what do you okay. think the amounts on on those are? So our mortgage right now is sixteen hundred. Um, we are in the process of refinancing, so that'll bring us down to about thirteen fifty, I think. And then daycare is fifteen hundred a month. And then what else is going on in that? You said fifty five hundred, so we're at about thirty one hundred. What else is going on in there? After that, so our grocery expense is about a thousand dollars a month right now. So I, I have auto insurance, our fuel, and my car loan all under auto expense, and that comes out to about six hundred dollars a month, which. That will be going down after talking to my accountant. He doesn't think I. Sh- so I have, I have my 
the car that I use at work is under my personal name. And he thinks I should be switching that over to the business because I use it more for business than for me, which I never really thought about it that way because I consider it my personal car, even though I don't use it really. I use it more for the business than I do for my personal. So so the, the payment and the insurance on that will get switched over to the business as of the first of the year. That's going to be a huge advantage for you because you're going to be able to deduct a lot of the expenses associated with that. We can't, I don't think, comment on that as not being accountants on what the appropriate move is there. But if you're doing that, that will certainly save you some money in taxes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of use her car as our personal car. And then that's really just, I mean, I I use it 70% for work. So he thinks that it should be moved over into the business expenses. Great. And is this the sum total of what you kind of consider your fixed expenses, oh, no. mortgage, daycare, grocery, auto? Okay, go ahead. So then we have our health insurances. Uh, Kyle's is about 270, 300. Mine comes out of my paycheck. It's $500 a month, but that is outside of the 2,400 a month I bring home. Great. So it doesn't directly come out of our income, but it's still a fixed expense for us. And then what else do we have? Internet cable, that's 150. Jiu-jitsu. I, I go to jujitsu every month, so that's 150 I did have a motorcycle loan, and I just paid that off, uh, I think it was like six weeks ago. So that's no longer... Congrats. Thank you. And then, so we do $50 a month on pet insurance. Then we have $30 for... Rental insurance. Rental insurance. No, not home insurance. But, not rental yeah, insurance. Ho- home insurance. But the, the housing insurance that we have, or our our house insurance only covers the outside. This covers our stuff on the inside in case something were to happen. And then Spotify and Netflix. Okay, so I have a question Great. about the insurance. You have home insurance. Do you not have homeowner's insurance or that's the... So, because it's a duplex, it's considered a condo. So we have uh, a master policy. Okay. I know, it gets, it gets weird. So we have a master policy for the, the whole outside building for the building. And then for my $30 a month is for the the inside, the walls in home insurance. Okay. Regarding auto insurance, do you have this, or regarding insurance in general, do you have the same insurance coverage or insurance company for your auto, your mortgage, your house, your... Okay. Uh, that's another thing I want to, to recommend that you do is reach out to multiple insurance companies, hit all the big ones, uh, State Farm, Allstate, Geico, uh, Liberty. I'm trying to think. I use Liberty Mutual for mine. Reach out to all these companies and get a quote. Ask them for, you know, get all the things together and say, I want a quote on bundling them and see what happens. Because a lot of times when you bundle them together, your rate will drop. You'll get a discount. I think they're called line discounts for each additional thing that you insure with the same company. Another thing that insurance companies do is not reward you for loyalty your rate will go up two or 3% every year. And you've been there for 20 years. All of a sudden you're like, why am I paying so much for insurance? You call another company and you're like, how much lower is my rate? So if they're not going to reward you with loyalty, do not reward them with loyalty. And every year or every other year, get a requote from all the same companies and see what they can do for you. Because it's not that big a deal to switch your insurance company, especially if you can save a lot of money. You can save 15% or more on Geico. I actually have Geico. And, <laughs> and, and I you love, love it. it because, You're in good hands with yeah. Mindy. Yeah. 
But insurance is one of those things that you don't think about. You just pay the bill every year and oh, whatever. I can't remember what it was last year. And then yeah, yeah. that's probably what it was last year. So just revisit it and see what's going on every year, every other year. I found it interesting too. I think you said it on um, the last guy that you did when you were exploring his finances that once you're over 25 years old, you make a note, like you, you let your company know. And when you have kids, you let your company know your insurance company. I I thought that was fascinating when you said that. Because then you're a safer person after when you're 24, you are a reckless mess. But once you turn 25, you're a responsible adult and you can go forth and prosper. And when you have a child, now all of a sudden you follow the speed limit. Oh yeah, you do. And I don't know how I don't know how attached you are, but I would I would wonder how that uh, motorcycle fits into that and the insurance policies and those types of things. So I used to have it on there in full insurance, and that cost me sixty eight dollars a year. Okay, that's not sixty eight dollars. So I used to just pay yeah, it. No big deal. <laughs> now, do you have a motorcycle license, Sarah? I did. Okay, so I have a motorcycle license. My husband has a motorcycle license. At one point, we had a Honda Shadow. And okay. a crotch rocket. You're done. I had a Honda Shadow. That's why I got my license on. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great bike. Uh, he had a crotch rocket, but by switching me being the primary on the crotch rocket and him being the primary on the Honda Shadow, we saved money because I am a woman, so therefore I'm better, according yeah. to the insurance company. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> and you know, we didn't ride them very frequently. We don't have them anymore. But uh, it, the same with sports cars. Go ahead, Scott. Well, I, I just wanted to zoom out for a second here and say, when we list your ass, when we, your expenses out one by one here in the fixed category, we've got a mortgage for sixteen hundred bucks. We've got life insurance for a thousand. We've got daycare for fifteen hundred. Groceries for a thousand. Auto, health, internet. It's almost like there's so much opportunity here. I think for you to make progress over the next year or two in systematically reducing each one of these fixed expenses, that that is going to be, I think, the biggest opportunity for you in your finance. And what I think is interesting, and I'm really glad we started with insurance here, insurance is actually one of the smaller components of your overall spending in in this category, but it's the most easily actionable one, it seems like, in the first step. And so I think that when I'm I'm zooming out and think about a framework for attacking this, I think, which ones... You've already got the the variable expenses, and it sounds like you're under control there and, and know what's going to make you happy and what's not and you're, you're, you've made a $750 drop in those in one month or two, right? But this is, I think, the interesting part. So I think when you talk about insurance, that's perfect is to think about putting them all in one thing. With health insurance, you guys are now spending $800 a month on health insurance. And Sarah, you're spending $500 a month out of your paycheck, right? Kyle, I would wonder if you could talk to your insurance or your your accountant or your insurance broker and see if there's a way to get Sarah on your plan. So we just did that. Okay, great. Yep. So starting January, I will go on to his plan. And I think it'll go down about 720, 730, something like that. Yep. But right now, like my doctor's appointments, I pay $170 every time we have to bring our daughter to the doctors on top of my $500 a month. So with his, it'll lower it just a little bit, but we won't be paying out of pocket so much. We'll have like a $20, $30 copay. So that Great. alone is awesome. I'm excited for that. Yeah. I'm yeah, excited I I, for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it will lower our expense when we actually do use it. Hers also isn't HSA qualified. So now that we'll be together, we can, we can hit that max as put money into the HSA. So we'll save that money there on top of saving money when we actually have to go to the doctor. Yeah. 
Love it. That's a, that's a fan. I, like I, I just looked at that and thought there's an opportunity there with the way you run your health insurance. Love that you're already on top of that and making that move. That's going to save you some money and, and make your lives a lot simpler. And I love the HSA max out thing and what, what you're thinking there. Moving back up to auto, you've got an insurance loan. What's your interest rate on that loan, that car loan? 3.49. Okay. So it sounds like that's not really an opportunity for us here. You could pay it down, but a lot of people would would kind of rather invest or do something else with the excess cash flow. Is that how are you thinking about that? That's kind of uh, I, I looked at. So it's forty dollars a month in interest right now. I just refinanced it. What in the beginning of the year? So I've had the car for two years. It was at four point nine nine, and then I got it to three four nine, and just refinanced it. So. That's how I, I think I I put two thousand dollars down when I refinanced it. I originally had financed about eighteen thousand, so I put two grand down, and then I've been kind of just like when I the bank that I got the refinance at has a coin machine, so when I trade in all my coins, it goes directly to my car, and I do that like every three times a year. So it, I've been paying it down a little bit faster by doing it that way, but I don't really care to pay it off. It's not. A, it's only yeah, it's not it's huge. 260 bucks a month. And now it will be under the business starting next year. So it won't even really affect me all that much if I continue to use the loan and pay it out outright. Yeah, once it's under the business, I wouldn't pay it off really at all. Yeah. I would just pay whatever the yeah. going rate is. Yeah, that's my plan there. So uh, I want to jump back to that insurance really quick. Now that you're not paying $500 a month pre-tax, for yep. your insurance. I want to see that in your 401k. You had mentioned at the beginning of the show that you had increased your 401k and then you were going to pull it back, but you're all of a sudden going to get $500 more a month because you're not on their insurance anymore. So for the HSA. Okay. So we go back, we're going back and forth currently about the 401k because I put in, I put in 8% and I get, so if, if I put in the 5%, I get the 4% match. But I was putting in 8%, getting the 4% match. That's what I've been doing for a while. Then I just recently, the past month, like 35% to get about an extra 400, 500. And it was once I paid off my student loans, I had the extra 400. So I was trying to get it into the 401k. You just paid off student loans too. That's I, awesome. Oh yeah, that was, that was huge. So <laughs> we're excited about that. But now we don't know. We don't know if we should put it into the 401k or if we should put it into index funds. We don't know where to put it. I'd put it into an index fund in the 401k. Those are those are not okay. mutually. Well, well, look, let, let's, let's zoom out. Let, let's zoom out and talk about the broader context of the the do I invest in the 401k or not? When I started at my very first point building wealth, I did not put any money into my 401k except for that which I got a match. Better judgment. But the reason I did that is because I was saving up for a house hack. And I was okay. like, that house hack is going to produce a way better return than yeah. the money in the 401k. I'm not making that much income right now. I know I think I'm going to make more later and be in a higher tax bracket. So for me at that point, it made sense for in those circumstances not to invest in the 401k. A few years went by and I had a surplus of cash and was not did not have a lot of time to invest actively in like house hacks or more rental properties. And so now... I max out my my 401k every year. But in general, I think that there's a big there's an advantage to to doing that in some cases. What are your thoughts? What, 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 my your thought situation? was always max out the 401k if I can. 
But mm-hmm. I think lately we've been having reservations because we won't be able to touch that money until I'm 59 and a half. So that's where our reservation lies. Are we okay locking it up for the till, till I'm 60? Or mm-hmm. do we want to put less in there and more in the index fund so that we can touch it when we want? It's also a Roth 401k. Great. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I do is a Roth 401k. Yeah. But gotcha. There's a whole whole thing around that. Well, let, let's zoom out here. You guys are bringing in 11, 12,000 a month, whatever we whatever we determined after tax. Yeah. And you're spending 8,500, maybe a little bit more than that on a regular basis, but you are accumulating somewhat. Within yeah. six months to a year, I believe that you guys are going to be in a position where you're accumulating five or $6,000 a month after tax. So like, I, I honestly believe that based on this discussion here, that that's a very reasonable outcome for you guys as you transform your, your financial position here cut these fixed costs and perhaps see some income increases or whatever, or or other economies. When you get to that point, you're going to have the option to both max out your 401k with that $19,000 limit and have tons of cash left over for after-tax activities, which I think is a pretty exciting potential reality. What's your reaction to that? Am I, am I giving you a realistic vision? Is that, is that, or am I in fantasy land? I think that's pretty realistic, but I think also Kyle doesn't have a 401k. So that even makes me feel like because he doesn't have a 401k, yes, I should put more into mine. Why don't you have a 401k? Um, I looked into what the fees were going to cost me as being a business, and none of my employees have any interest in putting into it. So by the time I pay the fees on getting it set up, it was going to cost me more money to have it than if I uh, just didn't do it at all. I've also been searching for my first income property for about three months now. So I read a book about 401k and was like, max out your 401k. And now I'm on chapter nine of your book. And I'm like, we shouldn't be putting anything into 401k. We should put be buying income properties. <laughs> well, let's talk about this. How, how much liquidity do you have outside of retirement accounts? What's your, what's your cash position in general? About 150-ish. So you have $150,000 in cash? Well, outside of outside of retirement accounts, outside of retirement accounts, and outside of our one year expenses savings, it's a no, it's a non qualified invested account. So it's not a retirement account. There are two individual accounts that are invested in the market. But if we wanted to cash them out now, we we could turn around and take all the cash. Great. So you you have access to liquidity that you could use to deploy in whatever you're interested in, yes. including real estate. Yeah. So. Look, look, again, I think I think you think about where you are now and you're accumulating, it sounds like a few thousand dollars a month in on average. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Prior to this. Again, I think once you once you attack these fixed expenses, it'll take you six months to a year to go through some of these changes. You'll be able to knock out a few with the health insurance. But you know, we haven't even got to grocery, daycare, mortgage, life insurance yet. As you attack those, I think you're gonna go from accumulating, I don't know. Two, three thousand dollars a month to five, six thousand dollars a month, and so that's not going to be a problem. Cash is is going to be a problem for you in the short run, but I think in an accumulation basis, it may not be, which allows you the option again to both max out and have plenty left over to have all the fun you want in the real estate or business reinvestment world. Mindy, what do you think? I was just going to say the same thing. I really, really, really like the idea of contributing to your. Uh, retirement accounts, your pre-tax retirement accounts when you're young. Kyle, you're 32. And Sarah, how old are you? 32. Okay. So I read this study way back when it was I was young enough to do something about it and I never did anything about it. So 
don't do what I did. But if you contribute, let's say $1,000 a month to your retirement accounts from age 22 to 30, and then never again, and then 2000 from 30 to 65, you'll have more in your retirement accounts if you started when you were 22 and did it for eight years than if you started for 30 at 30 and did it for 35. And I know somebody's listening to this and is going to correct me, and that's great. I would love you to correct me and let me know where that information is incorrect, but it's not because I did the math and you have a ton more thanks to the power of the eighth wonder of the world, compound interest. Compound interest, yeah. Arnold, no, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Albert Einstein said that, and he didn't actually. Somebody corrected me on that too. And that's okay. Somebody said it, and they're right. It is the eighth wonder of the world, and it is amazing. So yeah. I would love for you to be able to put more into your 401k because you're 32 years old. You've got a ton of time until you are 65 or 59 and a half when you can take it out. You'll still need money then. You have a daughter, maybe there are more coming, maybe there aren't, but you will have expense, more expenses down the road. I would put away while you can, reduce your taxable income. I'm sure you're paying a lot to Uncle Sam. You don't need to, you can keep that for yourself. Um, yeah. The HSA maxing that out is gonna be huge. And you said you can max it out for her as well. You can also max it out for the baby. I think the family max is $7,000 a year contribution. Yeah. I would love to see that maxed out. Yeah. That just grows and grows. We have a uh, friend of the show, Brandon, the mad scientist, wrote an article called HSA, the ultimate retirement account. You just put money into your HSA. What I do is I put, I max it out every year and then I don't take money out. I just keep throwing it in there. We, we are blessed with health and we have nominal health expenses. I save all my receipts. And in 10 or 15 years, I can start pulling that money out. I don't need to get reimbursed this year. I can get reimbursed in 10 years for my expenses now. So yeah. that's going to help. Yeah, that is something that I don't think is as well known as it should be. So I'm going to send you a link to this article. I'm going to keep a link in, I'm going to add a link to the show notes for this episode, which can be found at biggerpockets.com slash money show 164. And that's an awesome article. And he goes really into the, the ins and outs of how you can use the HSA when you're not using it to pay for medical expenses. But I would love to see you maxing out by the end of, you know, 2021, 2022, maxing out your HSA and your 401k, your Roth IRA, Kyle, uh, Sarah, do you have a Roth IRA? No, I only have the Roth 401k. Okay. Scott, you can have both, correct? You can have both. Yeah. I, I just want to address something on the, the, the retirement accounts. In set, Kyle, you quoted Set for Life, and thank you for the plug there. In that book, where, where I think I'm confusing people is I say retirement accounts don't count as that like financial runway or tangible wealth, right? But remember that in that book, I'm talking to the 50,000 or less income earner per year, starting with zero and not saving anything and how to compress that and get off to the races. And for that, I think working towards that runway and then house hacking is a critical thing. You're not in that position. You guys earn in well into the six figures. You have hundreds of thousands of dollars in assets and a potential to generate a tremendous amount of savings. So for you, I think you can have your cake and eat it too by getting the tax advantages or you know, in, with these retirement accounts and having plenty left over, so you can you can move toward financial freedom both by creating that tax advantage position and by investing after tax in assets like uh, brokerage accounts and real estate. Is that is that helpful? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm confusing folks, but I, it's really that specific circumstance that I think it's where that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay, great. So I want to, I believe you can have a, both a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA. Is that correct, Scott? You can. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yes. Great. Then I want you to have that too. Well, I got another thing here. I uh, we got a lot of stuff on that. This might this might go a long a long time, guys, because we got a lot of stuff here with this. So, Kyle, you own a business with employees, right? I would suggest that you go shopping in the next couple of weeks and get that 401k plan set up because you can play a whole lot of games with your 401k there to shield income. So as we talk about your business, like, we, we probably won't even get, get to your business today, but I bet you as you focus on your business and scaling revenue and income, you're going to generate more profit and you're going to want to shield more income from taxes. You can conceivably get up to thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 into that IRA through your business, especially if you have employees via profit sharing and other types of items like that, when you go and set that up, I think you should go and get advice. I, I, I'm not sophisticated enough to tell you exactly what to do there, but I would get on the phone with five or six people and sit down and just go through the mind-numbingly painful exercise, sorting out the salespeople from the actual value creation. But you can set up plans really in your favor if you're able to go and research that and figure that out. It will it will be it will fry your brain a little bit as you go through the nuances that allow you to do that and the technicalities. But that's a really powerful mechanism for business owners with employees in situations like yours. Okay. I have a self-directed solo 401k because I have a separate business outside of working for bigger pockets. And I am able to put up to $54,000 a year into my 401k contributions. That's my own 19,500 contribution for this year. And then my company can match my salary up to 25% of my salary they can match that into my 401k. Now that works for me because I am self-employed with no other full-time employees except for my spouse. This is something, again, it doesn't... Oh, it's better I, It's better when you have employees though, because I, I've set this up without going into specific details. As an employee of Bigger Pockets, I set this up for our founder, a plan like this, and was able to achieve some, some really good gains there as well without going into too much detail there. But okay. I, you, you know, you could be able to do something like that too. So this is exciting. We're having Mindy and I are having a lot of fun here. We have so many I'm ideas. So excited. <laughs> what type of person would I talk to about that? Like, would I talk to my regular financial advisor about setting that up? Talk to your financial advisor about it and ask for referrals to folks who can set that up. Because you're looking for basically a company retirement plan, right? And you're going to set it up. You're, since your employees don't seem like they're interested in the in the retirement accounts, that allows you to kind of set that up and that maximizing your personal advantage rather than necessarily as a, a benefit to employees. You can also choose to set it up to incentivize employees uh, and retain them, but that's going to be an option you're going to have to discuss with the plan advisor. Okay. But yeah, I would talk to your financial advisor for a referral there. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. And I want to say, just while we are having the discussion about your company, you are a mechanic. Are you on the Car Talk trusted mechanics list? I am not. Okay, so Car Talk is a, well, it was, and maybe it still is, an NPR show. It is two guys, the smartest men on the planet, who love working on cars. Like, they went to MIT, and then they went and opened up their own auto mechanics business. And people will call in and say, hey, my car's doing this, or it's making this weird sound. And they're like, oh, I know what that is. It's this. It's this, like, weird thing. And and they've even taken the actual car to other people mechanics who have looked at it and can't find it and they diagnose it over the radio which i find fascinating but anyway they have a mechanic files if you can get your shop listed on their like trusted repairs list anytime i move i go there to find a mechanic because they are like they won't list you if you're a scammer 
and you don't listen to my show if you're a scammer. So I know you're not scammers. <laughs> so I want you to get on the car talk mechanics list as well and see what that does for your business too. Do you have a manager for your company for your business, or is that yeah, something that's, that you that's do yourself? My role. And how many employees do you have? Uh, so right now I have four. Oh, okay. I don't really know anything about the mechanics business. <laughs> Yay! Well, I, I I don't think we're going to be able to get to the mechan- to the 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 aspect of increasing your income on the business side today, just because of from a time constraint. Although I'd love to talk to you about that. That's one of my favorite things uh, oh. in the world. Well, we'll yeah, sign us uh, up. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we have a second episode. But I do want to continue rolling through some of the some more of these fixed expenses because again, when we, when we look at financial positions, there's always one lever: it's spend less, earn more invest or create, right? And you have two huge levers, in my opinion here. You've got your expense right now. You've got your expenses, your fixed expenses in particular. And then you've also got that income potential with your business because you have control over that. And so today we're focusing on all of the uh, expenses. Maybe we come back and do the, the income uh, another time here. But let's let's continue marching up the ladder here and go into groceries, which I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on, but I know Mindy has some things to say about so you spend a thousand dollars a month on groceries. Yeah, that seems a little high for two people and a baby. You should see what the baby eats. Oh, uh, no, I'm gonna give you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it is a little high. I think we could easily drop it down to eight hundred. Okay, there, and then even a little bit more. But episode number three of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast featured Erin Chase, who talked about how to get your grocery budget under control, and one of her top tips was just. Shop the sales, get the grocery store sale flyer and look at what's on there. Oh, chicken's on sale this week. I guess we're eating chicken or pork is on sale this week. I guess it's pork or yeah. we're going to have a meatless Monday or we're going to have, you know, three meatless days. Meat is a big expense. If you're, I don't know if you're vegetarian or, I'm a or uh, <laughs> there's so many ways to, what would you say? But I'm a proteinarian. Proteinarian. Oh, okay. Perfect. Okay. So my friend Dan did a study. What is the mo- what is the least expensive source of protein? And eggs came up as his least expensive source of protein. You eat a ton of eggs. No. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. But just shopping the sales and having a plan when you go to the grocery store—that's yeah, my we'll huge better problem. About that. Yep. Yeah, we yeah. literally up until maybe three weeks ago would just go to the grocery store and then figure out what to make with it when we got home. And that wasn't working. So we started doing crock pot meals and then planning out my meals for the week. I'm the one that goes, I will go get takeout food, especially Chinese food, about seven times a day. It doesn't bother me. So uh, that's my biggest weakness. So planning out my meals for the week. I'd take that grocery bill and the amount of money you've been spending on takeout or just and call it food and say, what can I do to that budget? That's reasonable. This is not a, this is not a eat rice and beans forever. You don't need to do that with your income, but it's like, can I, do I have control over that budget or is it spiraling? And I think you're going to do just fine. I think, I think you got a thousand dollars to cut out of that overall food spending budget on a monthly basis and still be delighted with what you're eating is my guess, I guess. Oh, the okay. saving Sherpa. What episode was he on? He spends like eight cents a month or something on his grocery oh budget. <laughs> I can't remember. Let me look him up because that was a really good one. He had a lot of great tips. Let's talk about daycare real quick oh, as well okay. while we look that up. Um, so what's no going kids. on with that? 
Yeah, Scott, get ready. I'm here to learn about this one. So I, I'll let Mindy, I'll let Mindy chime in with the advice. Okay. Here. So uh, the Saving Sherpa was episode 75 and he really does an excellent job with his budget, uh, his food budget specifically. And his website can help you with a lot of great tips as well. And basically he, he is also shopping the sales. Back to the daycare, $1,500 is a huge bite. I totally get that. Totally understand. But this is your baby. I'm assuming you shopped around and looked. I mean, finding one with an opening is it was yes difficult. Yeah. Um, we found two with openings for us. Uh, we went and looked at one, and we liked it. We went and looked at the less expensive one, and we walked out as soon as we could. Yeah. And so then we signed up for the first one. We love it. Thank God. It, we think it's awesome. She's doing. She's yeah, doing great. She, she learned so much there. Like there, but. They have a good academic plan, and I know everybody thinks her kid's advanced, but she really is, like, over-the-top advanced. Um, she basically is already potty training herself. Like, she's just... <sighs> Lucky you. She's great. The daycare's great, but it, it hurts our pockets. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And that is going to be another three and a half years until she's in kindergarten? Uh, yeah. 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 So... Uh, well, and then we, we get nervous about adding a second kid into this mix and um, yeah, paying for daycare for two. Expense. Yeah. Does the daycare have any discounts for having an extra kid? They, they have a ten percent discount for having two kids in there, but the infant, <laughs> but the infant expense is more than fifteen hundred dollars a month. Yeah. And there's and we also, were paying that. There's also COVID charges. Yep. Now we're getting weekly COVID charges. And it is. It used to be we could put her into daycare for 10 hours a day. And now with COVID, it's only eight hours a day. So that limits or that has lessened my work, working hours a little bit. But yeah, it, it's all, it's our only option right now. A nanny would be even or just as expensive. Yeah. So, well, with two kids, a nanny might be better because then it's 1500 assuming that she would charge the same for both kids. When my husband and I were having babies, I made nothing. I made absolutely nothing. And I wanted to stay home with my kids, which is not the choice that all parents make. And this is not a judgment on anybody, but it didn't make financial sense for me to continue to work because I had such little income. So I did go and stay home with my kids. When you have a second kid, would it make sense to stay home? Do you want to stay home? Is there any sort of hybrid solution you can do? Or can you stay home or, you know, step back a little bit, Kyle, and maybe promote somebody from within to manage the shop and do some of the things that you're doing once your real estate agent business ramps up? So that that actually is my plan. My goal for this year was to get somebody in my office running my office so I could take over the manager position my goal for next year is to have two people in my office and the one that I have there now will hopefully become the manager because it's, it's really the manager role is only really about 15 hours a week. So he can basically do his job and be the manager if I hire somebody to fill his position for the full day. So my goal is to have him become manager, manage the operation while I'm there. And then I only really need to I'm trying to get my work week there down to about 10 hours a week, go in on Mondays and Fridays to check 
members, then as long as everything's good, then you know have a team meeting and and leave. So I do see extra time in my future, but it's probably going to be at least another year before that happens. Okay, so that's just something to plan for in the future. If you could get the daycare costs down a little bit, that would be great. But again, you don't want to just go with the bottom of the barrel. You went to the discount place and you're like, how do we get out of here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And in my mind, I'm like, I'm not trying to get to the point in the next three years where I don't have to work at all so having this expense up front and knowing that my daughter's getting a good education, even though she's only 18 months old, you'd be surprised how smart she is. It's like the stuff they teach her there, really, like, I don't think I could teach her that stuff. So um, having her go to an academically run daycare uh, makes me feel like the expense is worth it, especially where it's not driving me into poverty. And I do plan on doing real estate, so hopefully I'll have... X amount of income that will hopefully pay for daycare for me uh, in, in the the coming future. I love it. You know, you can't argue with a lot of this stuff. It's like this is this is one of those things that sounds like it's really important to you, and you're willing to spend on it. And it means a lot. And I love the attitude of, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to finance it with yeah. passive income. That's an outstanding answer to it. Is is not a, I can't afford it. How can I afford it? Right. Yeah. Yep. Anything else you want to add on daycare? No, not on daycare. I want to move to the life insurance discussion uh, because this is $1,000 a month. This is $12,000 a year. I don't have life insurance, so I don't know if that's a normal cost, but it sounds high to me. I don't want to just sit here and plug all of our episodes, but we spoke with Joe Saul Sihai on episode 139 called everything you never wanted to know about life insurance, but absolutely need to. And I'm wondering if that is a changeable cost. Is that something that you really need? So it breaks down, it's actually 850 a month and it breaks down. um, He has disability insurance and he pays about 115 a month on disability insurance. So that if anything happens to him, you know, he still has enough money for us to pay the bills since he's the, you know, the biggest income, income maker. And then his life insurance is a little bit more expensive than mine. His is 425 and mine is about 312. Okay. So that's both of you. Yes. So we, our understanding of this life insurance is it's a cash value life insurance that we can use as retirement income. If we decide to use it as retirement income, rather than just saving it for when we're gone. So it is a universal permanent life insurance policy. I did listen to episode 139. When he started to talk about how you can overfund it and then you can basically take a loan against your policy, the money stays in your policy and we can invest the money inside of our life insurance policy into an index fund if we like. We can take a loan against it, meaning the money stays in the life insurance policy accumulating wealth, well, we can also loan against it tax-free. So it won't be available to us for about 10 years because of the like the ramp up in uh, cash actual cash value. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Garrett Gunderson. It's kind of a lot of his style of teaching of using life insurance policies to build wealth through that. I don't really know everything about it, but it's been something I've been kind of into for a while. 
So who set up this policy for you? My financial advisor. Okay. He's not going to like me very much. Your, your financial advisor is likely not a fee-only financial advisor. Your, your financial advisor is likely getting a commission on this life insurance policy, would be my, my guess. Is that correct? Yes. What I would do following this call is I would have a call with at two or three different fee-only financial advisors. And just listen, to, tell them your situation, pay, invest the thousand dollars or however much it's going to cost you for the consultations and those fees. And I would get some second opinions on that because this person who has got, they they may not be a fiduciary. I don't know in your best interest for that. They are a fiduciary. Okay. But they're also getting a commission for your life insurance policy and certain things that you're going to set up. And I just think it's helpful, even if you're going to keep, you can keep working with them, but to get that second opinion from somebody who is just a fee only like thinking about that because that incentive is not there. Okay. Does that make does that make sense Mindy? What do you think about that advice? I think that's actually really smart. One of the things that Joe had mentioned in that episode was that um, a lot of times the financial advisors and financial planners aren't necessarily working in your best interest when they are recommending these policies. I don't know enough about life insurance to know that this is good or bad but I would definitely recommend finding a fee-only financial advisor. Um, And a great place to start looking for one is on the XY Planning Network. That's xyplanningnetwork.com. That's a free resource to find fee-only financial advisors in your area. That that was created by Michael Kitsis and somebody whose name I'm drawing a blank on. Yeah, I got to admit something here. I was on a call with a financial advisor recently because I was thinking about some things and you know, I have some some new good problems with you know the job being a CEO here and that kind of stuff. And this guy painted a picture of a similar policy. He painted a picture of like, man, if you had just like had an active manager, we would have sold at the bottom and uh, of that little dip. And I'm like, I'm sitting here. I did the Bigger Pockets Money Show podcast. I've done 150 episodes, and I'm being sold by this guy and feeling like I, I didn't. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But I was tempted because he was so eloquent about it, and he has so many other high-profile clients that are very successful with that. And I just walked away, what being like, man, if if I'm sitting here and I do all this stuff, and I just heard, I just heard Joe interviewed him myself on the insurance philosophy. And I'm thinking about it because it's so tempting. There's something here. And, and there are specific cases where a universal life, you know, life insurance policy makes a lot of sense. But I just think it'd be helpful to get that second or third opinion from a couple of folks who aren't there, who aren't designing a portfolio to, to, to get a lot of assets under management and to get a lot of um, insurance policies set up because that's how they make their, their money. And look, I'm, I'm, I, just, I, I just want to say here, like, it was really hard for me to turn the guy down, frankly, on some of those. And again, that's what I do for a living. So that one piece. The second thing I want to say about life insurance is one of the advantages, look, there are specific cases, and this is why you should get really specific advice we don't have time to dive into here on the show. But as a general framework, after discussing this with Joe, the the advantage to some policy like this, in, in my opinion, outside of the insurance, we, we talked about the insurance piece, 
there's the peace of mind piece, which you can get through term uh, policy, for example. Outside of that, though, there's the there's the guarantee and the ability to, after tax, access some of the contributions prior to retirement to fund things maybe as a source of liquidity. I, I think if I'm thinking through your situation, my instinct, this may not be the right answer, but my instinct is to think, how do I shelter as much money as possible pre-tax through other mechanisms like the HSA, like the 401k, like your employer 401k that you may be able to set up, for example, um, with a pension or or whatever those types of things are that allow you to put that. And then if after you shield that $75,000, $80,000 in income, you're still making two, dollars $300,000 because your income is exploding over the next couple of years when we talk about your business, then, and you still have more cash, then I think that that's where some of the components of this life insurance policy stuff may make a lot of sense because that's when you can begin sheltering that even that excess cash flow from taxes there. So that would be my instinct on your life insurance policy. It may not be correct, and it may be something just to do more research on, but hopefully that's helpful. I think I think you're right. I think we need to do a little more research on it because I set mine up almost four years ago. He set his up about a year, a year or so ago, but we we weren't looking for, you know, FI when we were doing that. We were yeah, we were on a different we were on a different path, so to speak. And so I will admit something that I actually work for our financial advisor. So it's it's a little more personal than your average financial advisor. Oof. No, um, I feel that. Uh... <laughs> I completely I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So we we actually have a really great relationship with him. So okay, there's nothing he's going to take personally. He, he he does treat us very well. I do understand where our relationship lies, and as far as I'm concerned, regardless of what I choose to do with my money, isn't going to hurt our relationship with him. He's not that type of guy. So um, oh. Then it is ne- it's never like that, by the way. It's never, I'm never saying that these folks are trying to take advantage or anything like that. I just wonder if that if the incentives are always helpful to, to work out with the fiduciary who's fee only, and in some cases, in my opinion, sometimes. Yes. So. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay. So we, we've now talked about uh, insurance, we've talked about Life, we've talked about your regular insurance. We've talked about life insurance. We've talked about daycare. We've talked about groceries. And we've talked about some of the other smaller fixed expenses. The last thing here, and I know we're running pretty long, is the mortgage. Do you have any thoughts on your living situation? It sounds like you've read some books, maybe encountered the concept house hacking. What are your thoughts there generally? There's no right or wrong answer. I just love so to hear. So house hacking is a difficult concept for me because we have dogs that don't necessarily like other people. Mm. And I love my dogs more than any person other than the people that live in my direct household. Um, So in that sense, I'm thinking house hacking could never work for us, but I've also like, I've already gotten pre-approved to look at multis. Um, I've looked at a couple in our area. So I actually live, well, or we live about 30 miles from my shop. So I have a pretty good commute. So I I was thinking of moving closer to the shop, but the average house near our sh- uh, near my shop is about seven hundred thousand dollars. You like I don't want to live that close to my shop. So we thought about getting a multifamily where we could house hack, but it has to have a yard that's separate from er- every other tenant, and that's extremely hard to find around here. I thought you mentioned earlier that you live in a duplex. Is that 
So we live in a duplex, but we don't own both sides. We own just one side. So and our yard is completely separate from his. Our entrance is nowhere near his. Nobody bothers us. Our other neighbor has a there's maybe 150 feet in between our house and their house. So we have plenty of room here, even though our actual plot of land is very small. It's, it's cozy it's and a, nobody bothers cozy. us. Okay, so what I'm hearing is you're not attached to your pers- your specific residence, but you are attached to a live- lifestyle that gives you a decent home and a place where you can have privacy for your dogs. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, look, I think I think that's awesome. And I think what I would just encourage you to do is I would say, uh, can you find that? Can you maybe hire a, an agent or, or talk to a couple agents and say, hey, you know, perfect world. Does this thing that we're looking for exist or are we in fantasy land? Because is there a place like this that we could find? Because that might be a way to really continue turbocharging things here. Or maybe you've got somebody who's also got dogs like that as a tenant. Maybe there's a perfect tenant out there that'd be willing to to go in on that. I would just I would just encourage you to leave your mind open to that possibility. So uh, but I don't completely yeah. open to it. I literally just signed up for my real estate classes because I've been trying to network with so many real estate agents that they don't get back to me or they send they send me that five hundred thousand dollar three bedroom, two bath house near my shop. And I'm like, that's exactly what I asked not to look at. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, that's not what I want. We don't care about having some big fancy house. Where are you located? We're about 20 minutes. Well, so right now we're in Haverhill, which is about 40 minutes north of Boston. My shop is about 20 minutes north of Boston. So I would I would check out, this is a plug here. I'm going to plug it real hard. But I would check out the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Agent Directory and chat with a couple of the local agents in your market because they're all investor-friendly focused agents. And they, there might be someone there. You could interview three or four of them and figure out which one might be able to help you. Maybe some of them are doing the South side or whatever, or not really in your area. But so look for that. But if you can, if you can find a good fit there, you might be able to find someone who's not going to waste your time with luxury properties right next to your office that you don't want. <laughs> that's an excellent idea. Yeah, there's, I've had those agents and I'm an agent now. And that's exactly why I got my license because I didn't want to call them to set up a showing and then wait for them to get back to me a day later and then, oh, we can't see it for two more days. And then by the time we get there, they're like, oh, it's under contract. Yeah. That's, no, I want what I want and I want it now and I want to see it because the market goes like this. So let's get going. And I think it's great. There was a free family not far from us that I attempted to purchase. And literally in the amount of time that it set up to get me into the show and it took two days, it was sold. So like at that point, I was like, I wanted to go that day when I saw it. And, and I literally started on Zillow. Like, no, I know that's not a place to be looking, but I have nobody else helping me really find what I'm looking for. So I found it on there, went to look at it. They were asking. So here's the other thing is rental properties in our area are over the top. This was a three family. They were asking 600. It sold for 700. But for those apartments, the rent would only be about $1,800 a month, which... That's pretty good for an area like that, in my experience with Denver. Like that's close to the 1% rule with those. But yeah, but not maybe at, at 600, it's great. At 700, maybe not so that's much. That's what I but thought. Yeah. I was like, at that yeah. point, you're you're basically hopefully breaking even. If not, you end up in a loss. Yeah. 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 
Well, fair enough. So look, I, I love it. We just systematically walked through your variable and fixed expenses. You've done a great job of already beginning to track your spending and getting some control over your discretionary budget. And I love, I think that we spent our time perfectly focused on the non-discretionary, the fixed side of things and had a really good discussion through each line item, some of which are not going to be touched. And some of which I think you guys have a chance to explore research and really cut back on over the years to expand that saving rate. I wouldn't be surprised again, if you're able to quickly within the next three to six months, jump another one to 2000 a month in savings and begin approaching that five, 6,000 a month standpoint. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm I'm up for a challenge. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, but I I also haven't been thinking like this that long, so I don't know. Like in my mind, I was like, is this even really feasible? How how do we get it down anymore? And what do we do with it once we do get it down? Where do we put that money? That's kind of what I was curious about. Like I I didn't know whether to put that into retirement accounts or if it was worthy to put it into index funds or, or try to get into real estate. Yeah, well, look, I think I think that's a whole nother discussion and we're now we're we're, we're yeah. now a little, look, why don't we why don't we do this? Why don't we have you guys back on in a few weeks and let's talk about just that. Let's talk about your expanding your income on your business and the asset allocation that we that we would want, you know, from this because you're you're likely about to have this problem of too much money. Um, which is a great, which is a great problem, right? You know, rich dad, poor dad calls it the problem of having not either have not enough money or too much money. You know, you're going to have all this cash. You don't know what to do with it. What a great problem. We got, we talk about retirement accounts, but it's not that simple. We got to, let's build a financial fortress with a significant amount of liquidity that keeps you guys really able to sleep at night. Some solid retirement accounts that are tax advantaged and then go to town on your business after tax businesses like real estate and your personal business. That's a wonderful, fun set of challenges, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think that's going to be a fabulous show. And that will that could be like a regular Monday show, Scott. That doesn't even have to be a finance review. That could be a regular Monday show where we dive deep into all the things that you could be doing. Because I do see very easy, Sarah can max out her 401k. I see very easy, Kyle can max out the HSA. I see very easy, Kyle can set up a 401k plan and max or come close the first year and absolutely max it out the second year while Sarah's maxing out hers and the HSA and, you know, even doing some after-tax investments, the Roth IRAs. I mean, I would love to see the Roth, Sarah's Roth, Kyle's Roth IRAs maxed out. Sarah's 401k maxed out. Kyle starting a 401k and maxing that out. Can you max out your 401k and your IRA at the same time? Not the Roth, the regular. I'm not uh, sure. This is we're getting really technical with some of those things. I, I I think I think we should be we should probably know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, well, as many as you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we will oh, yeah. post that in the Facebook group. I want to double check with the tax advisor because I I feel like you should be able to, but it also feels like maybe you can't. So the only thing we run into right now is with his income, he cannot contribute to a Roth. With my income, I can. He makes too much to contribute to the Roth. So what he is doing is he's doing a tax-deferred traditional IRA. We're going to have a lot of fun here because that means that you're not taking enough distributions out of your business and piling up cash inside your business as well, uh, from what I understand. Is that right? Yes. Because <laughs> you just you just listed, you said you got, you're taking 2000 a week out of the business and sometimes a few thousand in, in distributions. But you know, if you got income that's above the Roth limits, uh, something's going really right for you, which is really exciting. Sorry. 
they're just diving in there with that. <laughs> I, I hired a business coach about two years ago, and his first thing was like, you need at least three months of expenses put away. So I, I keep that there and I Perfect. kind of stay through that. I finance myself for a lot of, like, if we need new equipment, I'll basically finance it from my savings so I don't have to pay any interest on financing yeah. stuff. So. Your coach is, is is really wise with that, but it just means that next year you're going to be able to pull out a lot more income than even you just discussed from your business. And you know, with that, so, anyways, I'm just I'm getting excited. I'm getting antsy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I felt like we were going to come on this show and get a, a ration of how we're doing everything wrong. I was like, <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're doing everything right, and all the pieces are coming together. It's just you, you know, focus on progress, not perfection, and be yeah. happy with it because you yeah. guys are in such a strong position um, with this. You have all the good problems in the world and so much opportunity here. Yeah, yeah. What I see you guys doing right, the most important things that you're doing right is thinking about money being conscious about money, recognizing that I don't need to spend every dime that comes in and you're both on the same page. Yeah. And yeah. that is so huge. That is, there's people who have applied to be on the show and they are not on the same page. And I actually asked somebody, you know, is this, is this going to be okay to talk about? Cause I'm not sure from the tone of this application, if this is going to be, you know, a real big wedge between the two of them. Right. But the fact that you're both on the same page is fabulous. You're yeah. thinking yeah. about money. You have the income to be able to finance the life of your dreams. You just need to, you know, focus a little bit. And I think that that's going to be like, when we talk to you again in a couple of weeks, you're going to be like, I saved up this much money. I got this going on this, 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 this. And you're just going to be on top of the world. You're like, I don't even care that it costs $1,500 for my daughter's daycare. Cause I just saved $10,000. So some of the things we talked about today were your insurance. Um, I think that is going to be a good one to look at your car insurance, house insurance, motorcycle insurance, any other kind of insurance that an insurance company like that would sell. I don't know if something like State Farm or Allstate actually sells life insurance, but talk to them about bundling everything together in one and consider higher deductibles if you can yes. afford that, which is, it sounds like you can. Um, tracking your spending is like you've already seen, it is going to just open up your eyes and you're going to be astonished at both where the money is going and how much you can save without feeling a pinch. I mean, you yep. can cut out everything and just drink water and just eat rice and beans and peanut butter and jelly and totally feel the pinch and also save a lot of money. But yep. just by being conscious of where your money's going, you're really going to be able to see where things are going and say, I don't want that to go there. I don't want that to go there. I'm not going to get Chinese food seven times a day, Kyle. <laughs> Tell them, Mindy. <laughs> once, once a day and then cut that down to once a week because that's not really all that healthy, Mr. protein of war. Yeah. Oh, it keeps me athletic. <laughs> Is it good Chinese? No, he has no yeah, worse. No, I, <laughs> oh, I love good Chinese food. Everybody says that. Like, I, I, I'm like... Literally, it's 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 my thing. I just I love Chinese food, and maybe maybe I'll, you make your own. I was just gonna say that. He's, it's not that hard. He's um, starting to get better at cooking, so yeah, I, it, it's he might get there. The most intimidating thing, like I literally, if you told me, Kyle, you should do this, I will literally just go do it. Cooking is ridiculously uh, intimidating to me. I I just but we're uh, learning. It's it's the worst <laughs> thing I do in life. 
find oh. one recipe that you really want to make, make it and see how it tastes. And then and you'll find a better, to- yeah, find a better Chinese food restaurant too. Come on. <laughs> We're searching. <laughs> so the next two items we have are, are, are think about researching 401k plans for your, your company and your your HSA here, maximize that HSA. That that pre a sheltering income from taxes is going to be important, especially because you're in a high income tax bracket. Whether or not you're pulling the money out of your business is irrelevant. Your your taxes are are reflecting something that's over the the Roth IRA limit. You have a great problem there. Um, you need to get under that Roth IRA limit by sheltering some 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 income from taxes and those types of things and begin thinking about that. And so I think that the financial planning is going to be a big one. And I think you're going to have 25 to 50 hours of homework in there, frankly. I think that's going to be to get that really right. I think you're going to have to really dive in there. You're going to stumble and take a couple of steps you're going to, to find the right referral and connection. But I think that's really important for you as a business owner to think through all that kind of stuff. I also want to say that episode 161 is with the mad scientist where he comes in and talks about the Roth IRA, the backdoor Roth IRA, the mega backdoor Roth IRA. And that episode came out on January 11th. So I definitely want you to listen to that. And because he's really just the expert on those things. He loves reading the government policies on all that stuff and then can regurgitate it in English. So you don't have to do either. Very important. Or um, Scottish. I think he lives in Scotland now. But yeah. <laughs> so, close enough. Nice. And I just really think that you guys are going to be able to max out all of the things as soon as you get your spending dialed down to where you want it to be. Scott, is there anything else you wanted to, to suggest? No, just just this is this is so fun because it's so great to see you guys having look, you you didn't do anything wrong, right? You're doing everything, you're doing everything right. You just hadn't stumbled across the concept of financial independence and this world of this religion of uh, fire that we've got going here. You've got it. And now you're just in this exciting part of figuring it out. And you've got, you're, you're just going to have, uh, I think, such an incredible year ahead of you in dialing this in. And then you're going to be off to the races. Within five, 10 years, you're going to build up a, a staggering net worth if you're able to, to make these changes and stick with them for a little bit. Good. That's what we're excited for. Yeah. I'm super excited for you guys because this is going to be fabulous. And we're going to check in with you and you're going to be like, yep, we're already millionaires. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, that, that's, that may be conservative. We'll see the five. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now you're going to be billionaires. Oh, wow. Trillionaires. I think you've got great things happening for you. And this was really exciting. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And congratulations, Scott's on uh, getting married. Oh yeah, thank you. I've got one of one of these now. Yeah, so awesome. I don't like to do I don't like to I like to do the fist rather than one of the fingers because it can be misinterpreted. But yeah, thank you guys. Oh wait, you guys, you didn't ask us for a joke. Oh, oh, oh. what is your favorite joke to oh Scott, do you want to ask it? I'm sorry. Yeah, we're not doing the famous four, but we'll ask you what's your favorite joke to tell at parties? Okay, you ready? Yes. What kind of exercises do lazy people do? Ooh, lazy I should exercises. know this. No, um, Ready? Yes. Diddly squats. Uh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I just started doing a hundred squats a day, like over the course of the day. And it's, awesome. it's, wow, that really burns your legs up. It does. It does. Good I, gotta, I gotta get uh, a few days and it'll be easier, but boy, oh boy, I can walk funny now. 
<laughs> Diddly squats. I love that. Okay, like Kyle it. and Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. And we will check in with you in a few weeks and see how you're doing. Okay. Love it. Thanks okay. so much. Love thank you. Then. Have a good day. Thanks, guys. Okay, Scott, that was Kyle and Sarah. I had so much fun talking to them. I am so excited for the possibilities that they have before them in their young lives, getting ready to conquer the world together. Yeah, that was just really fun. It was it was like, I think they came in expecting to be like, oh, we're doing everything wrong with all this kind of stuff. No, they're doing everything right. They're in the process. The, the, the messiness and the transition, once you go from not really being super intentional about everything you're doing with money to having a reason for every dollar, that's a six-month, year-long, maybe even two-year process. And they're right at the beginning of it. It's so exciting, so fun to see, so encouraging. That's, you know, do not, if you're in, if you're in that position... Do not feel bad for a second. Just be excited about all of the amazing progress that you can begin making in that and how many like how many people are going to get a chance to learn from what they're doing in a really constructive way today. I think so many people are right where they are. I know I'm making good income, but I can't seem to really save much. I can't seem to really get ahead. And I mean, you heard them when they said that they started tracking their spending they were shocked at how much they were spending. It is so easy to spend every dollar that's in your wallet. I've seen it happen, I've done it myself. Many, many years in a row before I got my financial stuff together. So I love that they think that they're not doing it all right. And they're not doing everything right, but they can see where they can make changes and they're doing it together. That is what's so important. They're doing it together. Yeah, they have not yet reached like optimization of their entire financial position. But I just want to say they're doing everything right because they're making progress on a regular basis and thinking through every part of it. They're doing everything right. They just haven't completed the play yet. They're in the middle of it, which is so fun and exciting. And look, we sit back and like like in six months to a year, they're going to be dramatically having a different savings profile. In three to five years, it's going to be unrecognizable because their daughter is going to be in school end of daycare, right? Or, or end of much of daycare, right? For much of the year for those things, dramatic expense. So all of these big fixed expenses that they've got are, are going to be achievable. It's just a matter of when they get to pick them off one by one. Yeah. I am super excited for their progress. I can't wait to have them on again in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And again, in a year, I want to see what's happened in a year. So we will definitely have them on again for an update down the road. We are just getting started with our finance review episodes, and we really love doing this. I don't know if you can tell, we have a hard time hiding our excitement. Uh, and if you would like us to review your finances, you can apply at biggerpockets.com slash finance review. Okay, Scott, this was super fun, but this ran really, really long. Should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 164 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying chop, chop, lollipop.
reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the bigger pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month, four kitchens and bathrooms you can renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can afford? Which market and which deal is best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions, all to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devtha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. That's biggerpockets.com slash F-O-U-R. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.